Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here, back with another installment of the Game Dev Breakdown podcast. If you're listening on the uh, audio show, it's going to be just like normal, and if you are watching on video, there's a slightly different setup today because we are going to go through some Pico 8 stuff, so... I promised a show about this for some time, and now we're going to go ahead and look at a program I recently made for my son, and we're going to talk about Pico 8 projects in general, because we've had several people on the show who do Pico 8 development, and we really never have gone through the process of Pico 8 games, talked about what it is, how to set it up, and how to get involved in it, and I wanted to do that because I think Pico 8 is really cool and has a lot of value for developers, especially now Pico 8 is great for experienced developers, but it really is great for beginners, people who want to get into new stuff, learn a few new skills. I will explain that as we go. So bear with me because we're going to have to capture some things and I'm going to have to piece them together on the back end. Hopefully it comes together as a cohesive uh, experience. And if you're Just following along on the audio show, I'm going to try to make sure everything makes sense, but you may also want to take some time to check out YouTube where we will show the videos. So here we go. Let's start. I have LexaLawful.com up on the screen, but let's begin by talking about what Pico 8 is. Pico 8 is considered a what they call a fantasy console. So what that means (laughs) really is... You can think of Pico 8 as a console that never existed, and might be more helpful to think of it as an emulator for a system that has like a system that you would use to launch games. Think of like PlayStation sort of had this, uh, current PlayStations and Xboxes and stuff, they certainly do. Think of it as like an emulator for a console that existed like right before the NES, but isn't real. So (laughs) uh, the Pico 8 software is uh, it, it's actually a paid application unless you find it in a bundle or, or something like that. But it, it has a cost with it and you download it. And once you have it downloaded, you can use it to, if you're not a developer at all, you can download Pico 8 and use it to connect to the internet and download little games that people have created, little demos, different things. And if you are a developer, you can start your own file. You have all the tools inside the Pico 8 application that you can Uh, put together with code and create your own games, upload them back to the community so they can play them and check out what you've done. It's just a really cool thing overall. So I have LexaLawful.com up on screen. That's where you can get Pico 8. I'm going to click on Pico 8 because they also have a product called Voxatron, which is a similar thing, but 3D, and we're not going to mess with that today. And it takes you to the Pico 8 page where you can see the specs. So the first thing you'll notice about Pico 8 is it's like very low resolution. There's a reason for that on the design side, but it's 128 by 128 pixels. It has a very small color palette. The cartridge size is very small. There's an interesting thing where the games for Pico 8 are actually distributed uh, in PNG image files. So it looks no different from a picture of a cartridge with a little like cover screen you can make for it. But that file contains all of the code, all of the assets that you create, sounds, everything. It's just, you've, if you've got that picture, you've got the game. And that's a super cool feature. So the controls are also very scaled down. You can see on screen that there's a little demo of uh, a game being created, which is really neat. It has its own creative tools. It has everything self-contained. Once you have Pico 8, you have all these things together. What I'm gonna do is pull up my own copy of Pico 8. Yeah, I love that really satisfying startup sound. (laughs) So it looks like an old Windows application once you first open it up, which is kind of cool. 
And for fun, I'm just going to load up the program I created for my son to teach him how to use the keyboard for the computer. And that is called, let's see, uh, Load Letterworks. Loaded Letterworks. So I'm going to hit Control-R and you can see the game. Go full screen if I can remember how. There it is. So <laughs> you can see this is like very low resolution stuff, but this is the game that I recently uploaded and that we're going to talk about today. You can see this is sort of a pixely version of my house that I created. I'll tell you how I did that. It's We've got the night sky background, some clouds floating by, and there's a letter. The current letter is V, and I'm going to hit V. Little firework burst, real satisfying little pixel sound. Now O. Cool. Now I'm going to get through a couple more letters, and when you do that, here comes the last one. E. Fireworks show. And that's that's all this is, and it loops back through and just goes on and on. And my son went through the roof for this, and actually I uploaded this to Facebook and found that several of my friends really wanted to play this as well. Uh, not my friends, but their kids. They wanted to load this up for their kids, and they were excited to find out they could do that for free. Uh, obviously, I would not have charged a lot for this to begin with, but uh, I, I decided to, to tell them where they could go, and when you upload something back to the Lexalawful website, not only does it show up in the Pico 8 networked menu that you can you can uh, go through, but it shows up on their message board as well under your profile. So that gives you a nice link that you can send people to play your game and, and see stuff. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to hit escape twice. And that is going to take me straight into the guts of this game. So this is sort of the background of Pico 8 games. You have your code tab here. You can see very pixelated, hard-to-follow code, which <laughs> uh, there's there's a way around that, but I'll, I'll show you that in a moment. So you have a code tab. Up here, all of these icons in the top right are different tabs you can go to. So I'm going to show you. This is basically a sprite design tab here. So I used this to create all these letters that you see in the game, as well as the clouds and the moon, and uh, everything else was done in code, so that's nothing to worry about. Um, didn't do a lot with uh, fancy mapping or anything, but there's also sound design. So there's a sound effects tab here. You can see that I did do some work in here. And for larger games or games where you want to have music, there is a music tab, which I did not use for this project, but certainly you would want to for anything uh, more fleshed out. You would want some music in there. So like I said, you just create all of your assets right here in Pico 8, and then you put them together with code, and you have yourself uh, whatever it is you're trying to create. So from here, I should talk a little bit about the constraints of the Pico 8. First of all, obviously, if you have, if you have these kind of constraints, you're going to have less to support. It's going to be an easier... Uh, let me move this so this animation is not super distracting. As for the constraints, if you have these, these small constraints on your project, Obviously, it, it adds some authenticity to the sort of low-res feel that they're trying to go for, but there are much more practical reasons for having these, these limitations. So basically, the idea behind Pico 8 for a developer is it's supposed to force you to streamline and to focus and to exercise really firm control of the scope of your projects. So when you're designing and planning a project, it's very easy to go... I'm going to make this this little tiny RPG, 
but it's going to be open world. It's going to be, it would be 28 discs on the, the early PlayStation. It's going to be fully networked and all this stuff. And you go on and on and on and you plan yourself right out of reality, like way out of the bounds of things that you could actually ever hope to achieve. And as a result, most people tend to really doom their projects before they ever get started. So this is sort of an exercise in training yourself to be disciplined while you're planning. And if you don't discipline yourself while you're planning, you will run into the code limitation or the sprite limitation. There are several ways to paint yourself into a corner designing Pico 8 games. And it's not really supposed to be difficult as long as you keep it simple. That's sort of what they're going for with the constraints. You want to basically capture a main idea behind a game. And that's why Pico 8 is really great for prototyping, or if you just have one simple mechanic you want to try out, you're able to do that without having to uh, feel pressured to flesh things out into a huge game. No one's expecting that from a Pico 8 game. If you download a Pico 8 game, you're, you're going to play through one scene or one thing that repeats, and... Uh, you'll just sort of get to judge the thing for, for what it is and not go, eh, it was cool, it should have been longer, like no one expects that. So the development process itself, once you have planned out something and really captured the essence of what it is you want to create, a, a good way to go about Pico 8 projects is go in, design all your sprites. I've got my sprite screen up here. The sprite thing is interesting. There, there are a few ways you can create graphical elements for your games in Pico 8. The first one is just to pick a square here, draw a letter, draw a character, draw whatever it is you want to use in your screen, and each one of these squares is a different graphic you'll be able to use in your game. You can see that I, I took that approach with the entire alphabet because Pico 8 does have a built-in font that you can use, and people use it to fantastic effect in their games. For kids, I thought it was going to be much better if I had some as as large a letter as was reasonable to do. My <laughs> my son had a hard enough time with these big pixely letters. I didn't want it. It wouldn't be helpful, uh, educational, informative to <laughs> have uh, letters about half the size of what you see here. That would have been painful. That is the easiest way to do that. And then there's one simple code function you call to draw one of these sprites on the screen. If you want larger graphics, there are a couple of ways to do that as well. Down here, you can see my moon, which is not uh, super beautiful, but it does the job nicely. This is actually four sprites all together that using code, I just simply stitched together on the fly as the sprites are drawn. They're, they're drawn one right after the other. I know which numbers. If you see the this... Um, this says 040 here. That's which sprite number that is. That's just a code you use in your in your game. I just draw these together and I have a sprite that's four times the size of a normal sprite. It's, it's a very easy way to do it. And you can do that. Um, it doesn't have to be a stationary object. You can very easily do that to a moving object or whatever you have to work with. So uh, the clouds are also a couple of sprites each. Easy, right? You may be wondering how... <laughs> Given this consideration, how did I draw that big-ass house? That's a good question. So what I wanted to do was, it was easy to draw the night sky, the stars, the letters, the clouds, the moon. But I wanted to have like a, a nice big object in the background to look at. And I, I didn't know if I wanted to do like a landscape or whatever, but I thought my kid might enjoy if it, if it sort of resembled our house. And then he would be able to go, you know, this is my special thing and, and whatever. Sorry to the other kids who do not live in that house. 
but that's my house. The trick there is Pico 8 has drawing functions as uh, many languages do, especially uh, gaming frameworks. They, there are basically shape drawing functions that you can call to draw rectangles, straight lines, circles, and in the case of Pico 8, I had to go out and find someone else's polyfill function, which is to say that if I wanted to draw like a triangle, I needed to call a special function that I copied into my game that would draw those points and fill in whatever shape I had made. So it was, it was a cool function, but it's sort of sorely missed in Pico 8. So once I had that, I could draw squares for things like walls and garage doors and windows and things, uh, circles for... I don't know if I actually used any circles, but a lot of straight lines were used to make like small windows, like slats in the garage door, stuff like that. And then I used, uh, obviously I had to have triangle support so I could finish the house. A house is just, a complicated house is just many, many triangles. So I, once I had that, I was able to draw like ground, street, house. Let me just, let me pull it back up. It's going to be helpful to look at that. Yeah, you can see the different shapes that I made. Rectangles, lines triangles the the only thing about this is if you have a complicated picture that you want to draw like this and this is drawn every frame just because that's how it works let me pull up the code go all the way down to where that house is drawn yeah here it is i tried to sort of comment most of it but it, it was impossible to keep up with because i was making so many adjustments and it just carried on and on and on took several hours to get this done rect fill line rect fill Poly, render poly is my polyfill uh, function. This was a huge pain in the butt to figure out. It just goes on and on and on. Those lines alone draw the house every frame. So Pico 8 development can be painful. You really need to stick with very simple things. And I, I sort of went a little bit wild on this part. And you, it really shows. So as cool as the Pico 8 software is, it is not great to... Um, code in this visual editor here that's included in Pico 8 for a long period of time, you will drive yourself crazy and you will hurt your eyes and the whole thing. You, you can go into full screen, which um, we do here, but it's not much better. It doesn't really, it doesn't really uh, add any detail or anything like that. It's just stretched out pixels and it looks exactly the same. The letters are hard to make out. So what you can do is you can open your Pico 8 directory in your actual file system in a uh, different code editor, I use Atom. Um, I love Atom. Atom supports a lot of languages I use, uh, HTML stuff, I can do front-end design work in it. I can do Lua, and I can do Pico 8 stuff because Pico 8 uses Lua, and it reads Pico 8 files just fine because it's all just plain text, uh, all the important parts. So I did that here. I've got Atom up on the screen. Um, Atom is free. I think it's open source, but it's free, which is the important part for me. And so you can see my, my carts folder, which are my cartridges, and I've got two versions of the game. Uh, Keyboard Smash was an early version, and Letterworks is the completed game. And you can see the code looks so much better in Atom. I, I would encourage you not to get drawn into the romance of coding in this uh, application itself. Go ahead and open that code up in a different editor. You can format it however you want. You can... Uh, you'll notice that really in Pico 8, all the code is lowercase. It looks capitalized, but it's really just lowercase stuff, and it's the font only displays in one case anyway. 
all those things in mind, it is going to be so much easier for you to read in this external editor. So you can see this, my code for this game is, um, well, let's see. You'll see when the sprites start as I scroll down. Yeah, I this was over 400 lines of code. So it's a small game, but the code is not super easy to navigate. And I, I could have probably organized it a little bit better, but this is close to as good as it gets. And as you um, sort of go down the Pico 8 path, uh, further down the rabbit hole, people start to do uh, very interesting tricks, but things that obscure the code even further so they can sort of jam more into their limitations and people do stuff you'll see all the time people will write programs that'll fit into tweets one tweet will create a whole pico 8 program that you can load up and and see and they do incredible stuff like graphical things you would never imagine it's just pure insanity it's and it's stuff it's some of it's better than I probably could ever do. I, I could understand it over time if I looked at the code, but it's stuff I would never think of. So I I want to use Pico 8 myself for things like little prototypes, things for my kid to play with. I haven't really shown any off, but I love to just do humorous things with my games and my code and stuff. So this is a, a good way to do that. I'm, I'm pretty well versed in Lua. Lua is a fun language to code in. I think most people agree with that. It has a couple of little, little obscure things, especially if you're working with, uh, clearly the developer of Pico 8 is a, a coder's coder, like very sharp person and very advanced stuff in the Pico 8 stuff. But people who are very advanced like that like to do stuff like Lua is a one based instead of zero based coding language. And that just means if you have uh, a series of things or arrays or, or what have you, they start at the number one, one, two, three, instead of zero, one, two, like most coders are used to. Pico 8 doesn't really work that way. The language still works that way, but everything Pico 8, like the coordinates for the screen, they all start at zero. That's fine. That's a little bit of a drawback for a beginner to try to sort that out. You will overcome it, but otherwise Lua is a super cool language to use, and uh, I would encourage you to check it out. If you find that you enjoy doing Pico 8 projects, and you want to go further with that, you can use the Love2D framework to uh, do Lua development for actual like broad release, like PC, mobile devices. That's how I shipped letter taps when I, when I did that. That uses the Love2D framework, which means I basically coded the whole thing from scratch using Lua, other than the, um, you know, the, the nice framework that Love2D uh, provides. So now you know a little bit about the code behind uh, Pico 8. In terms of designing the graphics, you will do that. Uh, as far as I know, everybody does that in the Pico 8 editor. I don't, I'm sure someone has experimented with uh, des designing stuff in some external editor. And maybe uh, people are listening to this going, no, everyone does it in this other application. As far as I know, you just, I mean, this is all very simple stuff. You can uh, click somewhere, pick a color, and you just add pixels and you're making a new sprite. It's all very simple. I just made nonsense on the screen, but as soon as you call it up in the code, it's gonna look just like that. You know exactly what you're getting. Very easy to use. The um, the audio stuff is, if you've never used like one of the retro sound development tools, they've got, they've got little editors like this. Um, this sort of resembles some of those programs, but if you've never done it before, it is kind of jarring, but there are some pretty good YouTube videos on working with audio. You can pull up different sound effects. You can uh, look at this a few different ways. This might be more helpful where you can just sort of draw with your mouse 
And I think you had space. We're going to try that. Yeah, yeah. So you, you draw with your mouse and test things basically until you find something you like. And you've got all these different wavelengths you can work with. And uh, I'm not the best at explaining this stuff, but you'll see through trial and error that you can make these sounds. It's all going to stay pretty simple. You're not going to make like, that sounded like a perfect violin. It just doesn't work that way. It's uh, very simplistic stuff. Uh, Atari era, early Nintendo era. But you'll find that it's it, it creates sort of a very charming feel for your game <laughs> to use these. They're very good examples. Let's see if we can pull up the, um, uh, I think the command is Splore. You, yeah, you can go through your uh, cartridges you've downloaded. You can look at the new stuff from the community. So as soon as I pulled this up, this basically reached out to the Lexalawful network, pulled down things that other people have uploaded, and I can look at little cover screens for different games people have made. If you want to get into this stuff, this is the best way to learn. You can pull up someone else's game. This one's called Pixel Town. Let's see what it is. I hope it's not something weird. Cool. Start new. This is a cool menu. Start new. Oh, neat. Oh, okay. So what you do here is they've made like a little town builder, which is very cool. And I want to add a thing to a thing. And this is all... You, you get the idea. So if we hit escape, I think... I think... I was kind of hoping to look at the code for this. I don't recall exactly how that works. I'm going to try to favorite this, then exit. Oh, I think I got it. Um, save pixel. Now let's... Yeah, there it is. So once you... <laughs> I'm going to edit that out, but that took a stupid long time for me to figure out, even though I've done it a bunch of times. So if you are in the explore uh, function and you find a game you like, like I Pixel Town was neat and I was curious how it worked, while you're playing it, you can exit Splore to your um, your command prompt here. Save it as a new cartridge, which the command is um, save name. So like I said, save pixel, and it's saved to pixel.p8. Now if I say load pixel, it loads it. If I hit escape, it goes straight to its code. So using that method, you can download all sorts of community stuff. No one's code is safe from you. My code is not safe from you. You can download a game, look at how it's made, how everything ticks. Uh, this person, it looks like they probably coded mostly in the uh, editor because they used these tabs, which is a new feature and is very cool. And you can just see what they did, which is neat. And, uh, you know, nobody's going to shame you. Somebody might make a uh, suggestion. When I, when I uploaded my first version of, um, let's go back to Letterworks. Load Letterworks.com.p8. Okay, so we got Letterworks up. So the first version of this game did not have full keyboard support. And that is because at the time, really, Pico 8 is only designed to support a very scaled back number of buttons. So the idea is you're supposed to have basically D-pad and like an A and B button. Don't think of a Nintendo controller for this. So you should have up, down, left, right, B and A. And it supports two players at once. Um, this will help if I pull up the Pico 8 API. There's the same, it's not an official API cheat sheet, but I, I look at this every time. It's by, it's neko250.github.io slash pico8-api. Uh, if you search for Pico 8 API, you will find this super cool reference sheet, and it has a screen, a tab, 
called input, which is a very good explanation of the controls for the Pico 8. These different buttons are your up, down, left, right, and these pink and blue letters are your B and A. So when you're using these functions here, BTN or BTNP, you will use these indexes to figure out which button is being pressed. So that is how you control input. The thing that I sort of exploited about this is a bunch of these, as you can see, are just alphabet letters that are used for button presses. So this still supports actual controllers this way, which is nice. However, if you have to use the keyboard, you can do that as well. So using all these letters, I did a very basic uh, keyboard control. So it, it didn't support the whole alphabet, but you had like, D, E, F, S, A, C, V, N, M, Z, X. Like, it was a bunch of letters. So that was enough to let my son hunt and peck through different things. I, I couldn't have him spell words or anything, but I did that, and that was the first version of the game. So I uploaded this using a uh, process that, I don't know, if people are interested in this, we can go through more of an actual, like, step-by-step, -step, let's do a project, and I'll show you the kind of cool process you go through to... You can, you can save GIFs from Pico 8, you can save little videos, or you can capture screenshots which can be used for your game's cover uh, photo, which is nice. It's a, it's a cool little feature and that's what your cart looks like and it's very cute and you can show it to your friends. So I went through this process, uploaded the game to the site, and I noticed a few, I think it was a few days later, I can pull up this page, my profile on Lexalawful. And you can see my Letterworks page. This is how it looks. I felt this was very heartwarming and everything. And you, you can control this page so you can go back and do version notes and, and things like that. So that's nice. I'm trying to pull up the actual um, bulletin board page. This is the one. Somebody a few days later goes, uh, you may not be aware, but Pico 8 now has the ability to read any letter or digit from the keyboard. And some of you seasoned Pico 8 veterans might not know this either because this was one of these sort of like Pico 8 has certain under the radar features. And I think that's probably to keep things simple for newer users. But, uh, and I, I know the developer likes to sort of sneak things in for fun as well. But, I saw this and I was like, what are you talking about? And he links to another page on the thing where he has his own demo called, this is a DW817 and this was a nice person who was uh, helpful. So thank you for that. But their uh, demo here is called Real Keyboard Input. And sure enough, it's, it's code that supports any letter on the keyboard, which is apparently a, considered a development kit feature. I looked at this, I couldn't get it going for a really long time. It uses the peek and poke functions. And uh, if, if you, peek and poke, you can think of that as like digging into the console's back end and switching a bit to support, we'll say blast processing on the Sega. And that's, that's a joke, but that's basically how it works. So you're just activating a feature. And in my case, I was activating the full keyboard support. And that's why when you start the game, I think I can show you this. Uh, pull it back on the screen. Do a reset. Let's do load letterworks. I was not doing it now. Usually it shows a message that says something like dev kit enabled. It's really just a development feature. But once you've got that set, I can read any keyboard button I want. So I use everything but P, because if you press P, it's gonna pause the game. But every other letter is fair game. R, uh, B, which may or may not have been a previously supported letter, 
but I've got them all now. And that was great, so I put up a new version. I thanked the person who did that because that's a nice thing. Uh, I mentioned I wasn't aware of that, and I put up a new version with uh, the full keyboard support, and that person said, let me know if you want some help with this, which I can't tell if that was nice or rude because the game was finished at that point. <laughs> Just trying to be nice. I get it. Thank you. I appreciate that. But it's it, it was a nice experience to put out a game thing and have a community member come and go, hey, I think I can help because there's just this new thing that nobody knows about but me, basically. And if you, if you look, that's about the only person who's using this in their game. But now there's a second one named me. So I was able to put this in my game for my kid. And this is what it's like to be a Pico 8 developer. It's, it's a community thing. Your friends get interested in it because they can play these games in the web browser, which is nice. You can, um, I think you can also do HTML export. And if there's not, if the binary exporter isn't uh, ready yet, it's, it's going to be coming later. I think you, you may already be able to uh, package that up as a standalone application, but I don't know yet. You can already upload it to like Congregate, Itch. Uh, there are places you can put these games and you could, you could theoretically make money. There's some discussion on the website about it. You are allowed to, but um, I, you know, what do you want to ask for, for a, a game that can only be so many characters long, but let me see what else I wanted to go over. Basically, I'm down to my closing thoughts on this. I like Pico 8. I wouldn't spend a buttload of time on it because it's really like the project can only go so far. You can only do so much. People find ways to do incredible things. So now knowing what you know, the fact that our buddy Paul Nicholas made a low resolution version of No Man's Sky that actually does quite a bit of what the game does on a smaller scale. That is why a couple of gaming journalists took interest in that. Like, you can see this his projects discussed around the web. Like, that's really pretty incredible. People do awesome, awesome things with Pico 8. I like to keep it more laid back. I like to create very small things, test out ideas, see what I can personally do, and uh, hopefully entertain my kid once in a while. <laughs> Paul joked that I had uh, cornered the market on... Um, educational games and pico 8 i hope not i'd like to see more people do stuff like that because it's a, it's a smart way to do it if my son was learning to add or subtract or something i would just whip something up here and help him drill himself memorize things it's all it's all very easy i was gonna make i had an idea called cashier simulator which i'm sure is a game already but uh it was gonna be a little thing where you know a customer would roll by with a cart you would uh count up their change real fast because <laughs> actually my wife and I were going to volunteer to help at our kids' book fair. And I was like, I, I, I know how to make change. I definitely know how to make change. But it wouldn't hurt to, uh, you know, quickly go through a couple of drills and get my, my brain, you know. It's, that sort of stuff, you get nervous, you know. I think games are great for stuff like that. So I, I would just create funny little things to like, oh, practice your whatever and hit this button to dollar, quarter, penny, penny, you know, stuff like that. So basically, my, my um, I do think Pico 8 is a great way to... Uh, learn Lua if you don't know Lua yet and then you can jump over to Love 2D if you want to it's it's a great way to focus your mind in terms of designing uh, lean applications that you can finish in a reasonable period of time Pico 8 is awesome for game jams awesome for game jams if you have a weekend in the first place and that has to be the end of your project why not Pico 8 you know it, it's a great way to design cool retro looking stuff get a main idea out there 
And if you want to from here, take a Pico 8 project and make a, a full-fledged game out of it somewhere else. It's all very, very possible to do, very easy to do, and very fun. So that's why we talk about Pico 8 around here. Um, if you guys really are into this stuff and you want to hear more advanced stuff, I'm happy to get into more advanced Pico 8 things. There's plenty to talk about. There are really cool things that people have done uh, much better than stuff that I do that we can show off and sort of break down and talk about how this was done, how that was done. People do just incredible things with Pico 8, but other than that, you know, next week we'll move on to something else. I just wanted to take some time to show this off, and uh, so when we talk about it, because it seems to keep coming up, you guys will know what we're talking about. So that in mind, if you have not subscribed to the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, please do. We're getting great reviews on iTunes. We could use your help getting the word out. Um, Thanks to our friend RPG fan who left a very nice review that I think we're going to read next time because John will really appreciate that as well. Very flattering words, and we appreciate stuff like that. You know, this is all community. We're all friends here, and uh, we will definitely thank you personally for uh, for kind words or for constructive criticism if it's not dumb. So uh, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're everywhere. The best way to catch up with us is to visit CodeWritePlay.com, see what we're doing on YouTube and elsewhere around the web and uh, we we love your feedback and we love your ideas we want to talk about the stuff you want to hear about so help us by telling a friend help us by leaving a nice review and uh, just get in touch tell us what's up so uh, until next time and next time should be later in the week this is Todd Mitchell saying thanks everybody keep playing we'll talk to you soon